Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Annie Talks, where we bring to you interesting stories about interesting people that you want to know about. I'm your host, Annie Rivera. Thank you for tuning in and to those who have already subscribed. If you're new to the podcast, welcome, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. And if so, I personally invite you to subscribe. Annie Talks is brought to you by Daily Gadgets and More. Daily Gadgets and More is proud and committed to offering the largest variety of high quality products at the lowest prices and the best customer service. Find us on Instagram or visit dailygadgetsandmore.com. That's dailygadgetsandmore.com. My guest on this episode is Maura Sweeney, an author, a renowned international speaker, a highly sought after guest for her engaging demeanor and thought provoking perspectives, and has been featured in over 300 media outlets, including the BBC Radio with host Simon Hoban and NBC TV syndicated daytime show. Maura has spent a decade in corporate management raised and homeschooled a daughter, and helped her husband launch and grow a successful computer firm. But with the daughter getting ready for college, Mora pulled out all the stops and decided to become globally influential, promoting a better, happier, and more authentic world from the inside out. Mora is the host of a successful podcast called Living Happy Inside Out and was named the Ambassador of Happiness. Here now is my conversation with Maura Sweeney. Maura, thank you so much for being on my show. I really, truly appreciate it. Annie, thanks so much for inviting me to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, same here. So actually, without further ado, let's get started. Why don't you give a sense of your background, your, your upbringing, your hometown, and, and kind of the road to becoming the ambassador of happiness, which we'll get into, and the podcast host that you are, and the public speaker. You know, I like the fact that you use the word road because that's how I think about life. It's like, what road are we going to travel? And sometimes, um, you know, we think, oh, whatever road I'm on is the one I've got to stay on or whatever road somebody else built for me, that's the one I've got to be on. Well, my road started in New Jersey. I grew up right outside of New York City in a small one square mile town that if I went to the tip of the town, I could actually see the whole skyline of Manhattan. The interesting thing about it is that I always remember thinking, now here I am in the world, right? And I could look at Manhattan so close, yet in many ways so far because I always felt like I was stuck or I was pigeonholed, let's say, into a box. You know, I used to think, oh my gosh, our town is only one square mile. It's such a small town. (laughs) I used to think that people I grew up with thought that the whole world lived in Lynnhurst, New Jersey, which by the way, was a very nice enough town. There was nothing wrong with it, but I must have come into this world somehow, Annie, with wings attached to me, at least inside where nobody could see them. I remember always wanting to fly. I used to look at airplanes in the sky thinking, where are they going? 
And how can I get to these places? And it's more specifically, how can I meet these people who don't look like me, who don't speak like me? I used to even imagine they didn't dress like me. Back in the when I was growing up in the early 60s, <laughs> we had books and it would show kids from all these different countries and they were all dressed up in native attire. But I was just one of those kids that was very much maybe a visionary, a dreamer, and someone who had the whole world in her heart. And yet, my backstory was that my mother, who's very bright, school teacher, and I remember I was so proud of her for getting out, getting dressed, and getting out every day, but mm -hmm. she was agoraphobic. So she was really afraid to get out and go outside. What that meant for me is that I have memories as a young child of being indoors in my pajamas at 4, 4.30 in the afternoon in the summertime when, you know, the sun is out forever. I lived on a cul-de-sac. All the kids are playing and I'm at the front door crying because I wanted to go out and play. So believe it or not, this I wanted to give you all that for the beginning of this story, Annie, because I was a person on the inside that felt so differently from the world in which I was growing up or I was being conformed to be. So I wanted to learn how to dance, but instead I was given piano lessons. I wanted to wear dresses that were very feminine, but my mother always had me in more, I would say, A-line turtleneck dresses. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to be maybe just free, and I felt very constrained, and my family always wanted me to be a lawyer, so it was important to the schools I went to, mm -hmm. the people I hung out with, where I went, who I was with. And I remember when I was maybe nine years old, we had moved in with my grandmother after my grandfather passed away, and she used to call me Waterworks. And the reason why is I used to cry all the time. I, I literally felt like this victim. I felt like I could never do what I wanted to do. I would ask my mother something or start to ask her and she'd say, absolutely not. And I'd say, but mom, I didn't even ask you yet. No, the word is oh. no and the case is closed. Oh, so my goodness. anyway, that was me as a little child. But the thing that, that will give you the genesis of it. But I remember thinking one day, even though I'm not maybe happy right now, or let's say I don't feel free to come and go and do and play as I want to, and I know it's going to be many years, I will grow up to be a happy and free adult. And I'll mm -hmm. say something else that we probably didn't plan on before this interview, but when I was young, I saw a lot of people around me die. Mm -hmm. And so it gave me a different perspective on life. I realized that the happiest people were those who at the end of their life had become the full expression of who they wanted to be. And the really crabby or unhappy people were the ones who felt like life did something to them and that they were a victim of their life. So I made that decision. I was going to grow up to be happy. Meanwhile, I was busy following all the cues I was given by my family. I was very much a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Went to Boston College, got a degree in political science because my family wanted me to be a lawyer. Came back to New Jersey, even though I longed to live in Florida. And took out loans and went to Seton Hall Law School in downtown Newark. And at the beyond the halfway point, one day, I just realized I couldn't get out of my chair to drive myself to law school. And I couldn't find my voice. So right. Annie, I literally like, <gasps> I could no longer live this prearranged stage life that was mine. It was just too heavy to bear. And so I left law school and I thought, I have no idea what my skill set is. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do in life, but I'm going to get to this place where I could jump out of bed every morning and be so excited to put my feet on the ground and get out and do and be what I was meant to do and be. Mm -hmm. And so it brought me through um, 
about a decade in corporate leadership, and that was where I learned and grew so much and developed some of my own skills that I didn't know I had in leadership mm -hmm. and in cultural development of people. And then I had my daughter, and I spent um, about 10 years homeschooling her. And uh, then later on, when she was ready to go to college, I thought, you know what? I don't want to go back to corporate life. My husband and I had had a previous business that I helped him in, computer-related. It was like, eh, we only have one child. Is this what we're going to do for the rest of our lives? And then this idea came to me. You know what? I had been, let's say, resistant or holding back on most of my life, but now I'm going to go full throttle. Well, you know, that's interesting that you should say that because um, I think that's kind of a renewal for everybody, right? About about the time when your children go off and um, spread their own wings. It's kind of a, a sense of renewal for yourself, honestly, because I have children too. And when they all, you know, for various reasons left, um, left the coop, basically, you know, one went to go play professional baseball, the other one, the other one went to play or, or went into the army. And then my twins were the only ones at home. At the time, it was like, it was a reality check. You had to kind of think about it. Wait a minute. I'm so close to having a, a, a truly an empty nest. Now what? So was that kind of what happened with you, that aha moment that came around for you? Maybe when you, when you said that you pulled out all the stops and decided to, to become globally influential, promoting a better, happier, and more authentic world from the inside out. Was yeah. that what happened to you then? It was. And, you know, I didn't realize that you had grown children, Annie, but um, <laughs> I had, because you sound like you're in your 20s. Funny. Oh, thank but you. Isn't that nice? Isn't that great? But maybe thank that's <laughs> one thing about you where you just keep growing. Annie, it was really interesting for me because I, we only had the one child and I had, I, I went for so many years before I could even have a child. So mm -hmm. I already knew what it was like to be out in the world and have a career. But I had several friends of mine who were, let's say, in the same age bracket who only knew themselves as mothers. And I watched them as their kids were growing up. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, you know, I so loved bringing up my daughter. I loved teaching her. But boy, oh boy, when she was ready to go, I was ready to fly. Yeah. And I remember there were a lot of other women who weren't willing, maybe desirous, maybe they were afraid to step out. But for me, because I told you earlier, I was such a dreamer. I yeah. thought, well, you know what? I could see people in our neighborhood aging. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, you know, you get to around 40, 45-ish, maybe now 50 or so, and you start to level off. You know your skills. You're maybe at your what you thought was your peak. But mm -hmm. if you don't continue to do something new or explore something new, you know what's ahead of you? Flatlining and just yeah. dying a slow death. And I remember thinking since I was such a visionary and I just had such a dreamer, literally yeah. a dreamer of a better world, a better society, a friendlier society. I loved reading about leaders and things like this, I remember thinking, you know what? Nobody's going to do for me the things that I've always wanted to do. And if I don't, if I'm not successful, well, all right, I, at least I tried. But if I am successful, then I will have become a greater part of who I always envisioned myself to be as a little child. Yeah. Now that seems strange. It's sort of like going full circle. But Annie, that's what I did. And let me tell you, being 50 years old and thinking, you know what? I'm going to start doing YouTube videos. I'm going to start 
<laughs> writing, and I'm going to make myself, I was always a hider, even though I was in right. management, right. I'm going to step out at 50 and I'm going to get involved in new media and put my face forward. And um, I was never that type at all. So it was totally coming out of the comfort zone, but I felt so strongly about messages that I've had all my life, things that I've learned. Um, things that I wanted to share with other people that I had tested and done on my own in a corporate setting, and I wanted to be able to share it. And so I just went for I just went for the ring. <laughs> I love that. That is that is you know what I I I almost feel as that that's my anthem too. I feel like we're spirit, you know, we're spirit beings because around the same time I decided to do the same. So you're you're certainly living you're living the dream. I think that you're you're meant to, to, to live. So I admire that about you. Now in your bio, you mentioned learning to dance at the age of 50 and even wrote a book series about that. Can you talk about that? Yes. 50 as in five zero. Now <laughs> I want you to think about this. Go back several years, you know, 1.30 was old, then 40 was old, then 50. Oh my gosh, you know, forget about it. You are just old. Well, my daughter who I homeschooled mm -hmm. for several years started early college, like at 13. She was very purposed in her own right. She called me from school one day and she said, mom, they offer intro to jazz here at St. Petersburg College. And I said, oh, well, that's wonderful. You're going to enroll. She said, mom, I've had seven years of dance. Why am I going to enroll? You are. <laughs> and all I thought about Annie was, oh my gosh, my mother used to say she was old at 34. Remember I told you she didn't like leaving the house? Right. And suddenly now I am, let's say, the role model for my growing daughter. And she mm -hmm. said to me, as if reading my mind, she said, Mom, it's not going to be five-year-olds and tutus. She yeah. said, this is, this is a college place. And she said, um, this is something you always wanted to do. Wow. And you know what? I just, I, I couldn't say no. I went to classes. Oh, my gosh. You know, you had to be there, and I wish I had some of it on video. I did write a book, and I hope that you'll even offer, allow me to offer a free book to your listeners today yeah. about what it's like to follow your dreams starting at 50. And in my case, it was, I want to learn how to dance because I always felt like beyond putting one foot in front of another, there was nothing else I could do. I felt so uncoordinated. I felt like I lacked grace. I went to classes, and people didn't laugh with me. Annie, they laughed at me. I couldn't even do a jazz walk across this room. I had to figure which leg walked with which arm. It was terrible. And what was so bad is that I almost destroyed an on-stage performance at the college that had a troop of people doing an 11-minute long dance, and I'm a member of the group, and I cannot extricate myself at the last minute. And I thought, not only am I going to pull myself down, I'm going to pull 10 other people down. Oh, so no. the story, it's, you know, it's amazing. It launched my series of the Art of Happiness books, but what it did for me mm -hmm. is it so set me free. It wasn't easy. There were times I would come back from class. Sometimes I would come back laughing. Other times that my eyes would be stinging because I thought, oh, could I really be this dumb? Could I be this uncoordinated? I, and you know what it was? It was so much fear, mm -hmm. so much fear. But I'm telling you, I never gave up, never, ever gave up. I went to so many classes, even after failing a few classes there. And the crazy thing of all is that not only did I come out feeling more energized, more confident, more graceful in my body and my body movements, but the joke is people will look at me and they'll think, oh, Maura, you must have been dancing all your life. Or, oh, are you a dancing teacher? Dance teacher, whatever. It's not like I'm great. 
But even my husband said, wow, more you like you have something with you. And to read the book will make you feel the drama. Mm-hmm. You'll laugh and you'll think, oh, this poor lady, she must have been out of her mind. You'll feel nervous for me. But the whole idea behind that whole book is what I do with everything. It's giving people life stories and things to think about so that they will find their own dream within them and find new ways to express those desires that they have and to become more authentically who they wanted to be rather than, let's say, what the world served them up. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. So tell us the name of that book again. It's called, it's in the Art of Happiness series by Maura Sweeney, but it's book one and it's called Dance or die. <laughs> and yes. I thought I was dying on my way to learning how to dance. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. We could talk um, uh, offline if you want to about the- Sure. And even if, right. yeah, that would be wonderful. And even if anyone wants to write to me, I will send them a free copy of the book. It would be my pleasure. Awesome. So now talk about the ebook, um, the My Favorite Happiness Quotes. We have a, a, a link here for our listeners and they can download that as well. But can you talk a little bit about those? Yes. And this goes back to, to being a little bit um, authentic as well. Mm-hmm. The book, um, obviously, you know, I'm the ambassador of happiness and I'm sure at some point we'll talk about how I got yes. there. But um, I took a number of happiness quotes from other people that others would know, and some maybe that they wouldn't know, but they all had the same theme. It was finding and choosing happiness on the inside, meaning not because I'm running after you know the new car I want to buy, the place I want to go out to eat, the new outfit I want to buy, but instead, what am I seeing within myself? How am I choosing to see something better? And so the reason why I say this adds to authenticity is because there were a lot of leaders written in that book and their quotes. But besides that, I use some of my artwork. I told you I was a dreamer and a little <laughs> bit whimsical. So, and I'm a little, I'm modern, but I'm also vintage. So I created my own frames. And in each one of the, um, quotes in that book, and I think maybe I have 20 or 25 of them, you'll see they're each put in a frame. So they're beautiful to look at. And then I have the quote and then underneath it, I'll tell a little bit of a story about that person who's behind the quote and also how each quote relates to our choosing to be happy. You know, a lot of times we think if somebody does something wrong to us, we're not happy or if something doesn't go the right way. And what people don't realize is that we could actually choose happiness and, and, doesn't mean life is always going to be easy. We know it's not, but that we could make happiness a state of mind. And that's what that whole book helps people to do. So it's, it's inspirational, it's fun, and it just kind of helps you along your way. Wonderful. So now tell us, how did you get the name, The Ambassador of Happiness? Well, I could tell you that I was following my own advice, which has been the course of my life, (laughs) little by little. Let's say at the beginning, the top part of me did everything I was told, while the secondary or like the underneath part of me would always find some extra time and opportunities to do things I liked. Well, as I got older, I eventually was able to do more and more of those things that were important to me. So fast forward, my daughter's getting ready to go out to college and, um, I decide I want to take several things that are important to me. I really loved leadership and I feel very strongly about inclusive leadership as opposed to I'm going to rule over you leadership and bringing out the best in others. It's what I love to do. Um, Love to travel, love to make new friends in other parts of the world. Um, I loved writing. And obviously, as you could tell, Annie, I like to speak. (laughs) Anyway, 
just to give you an idea, when I started blogging, which several years ago was like the new thing, there were other bloggers that said to me, oh, so more. what are you writing about? And I'd say, well, I like to write about what makes people happy from the inside. And they'd say, oh, you're writing about happiness, so who's your demo? When most of these or many of these people were writing about the 10 uh, wardrobe faux pas or who used too much uh, Botox or right. who was getting divorced, you know those things, right? Well, I, I wanted to focus on it, yeah. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. And so mine, I actually had a number of people sort of chuckle at me, and I'm sure they uh, were talking about me behind my back like, yeah, lots of luck, Maura. But the yeah. interesting thing is... Over time, I got contacted by Huffington Post, and I was one of their first um, or early contributors that had their own profile and was a regular writer for Huffington until they stopped the process a few months ago. Right. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? They thought there was some value in writing about what makes us happy. So I would travel and I'd write about happiness and I'd share other people's stories, and then I started speaking. And... Um, the long and the short of it was I was invited to speak at the inaugural Nelson Mandela Day celebrations. They were hosted outside the nation's capital by UNESCO Center for Peace. And uh, they were flying me up there to speak. There were a whole bunch of dignitaries. And they said, as they were producing the, uh, not the flyer, but the brochure, right. they said, well, Maura, what is your title? And I'm laughing to myself. I don't work for a corporation. I don't have <laughs> queen in front of my name or her highness. And I said, well, my name's Maura Sweeney. And I said, I have my own website, more for you, because it's for other people that read it. I said, but I write about um, finding happiness and I travel the world. And they said, well, we have a title for you. We're going to call you the ambassador of happiness, because everywhere you go, you look to share happiness. And I thought, oh my gosh. I said, I couldn't have made that name up for myself, but I love it. <laughs> and it stuck. And the amazing thing was all the people that, you know, were friends of mine from, oh my gosh, even from high school and before they said, Maura, right. that title so fits you. And here's the irony of ironies. When I shared with you as a child, how I wanted to travel the globe and I really would have loved to have been an ambassador. Yeah. So here I am, ambassador of happiness, no formal training, started out at age 50, but everything I learned from life I took with me and used. So Maura, I absolutely love your energy and your enthusiasm, your encouragement. You have such a, a light spirit about you. And I know that people listening, including myself, um, can take from that because we, we need that energy. We need that, we need that encouragement. But then on the flip side, what do you tell those um, who have, say, steady careers and who have always wanted to take, the, take that leap of faith, for instance, into maybe entrepreneurship or, or starting something new or finding they're happy or um, who feel deep down inside they're, they're, not, or they're, they're not pursuing what makes them happy? What, what encouragement can you give them? Oh, you know, even as you're speaking, I've got several things coming to mind. You know, there were a couple of things I did in my life that I'm sure for other people looked like they were huge. Like I had a, a very a successful corporate career. Let's say successful. I, I had a very good income that most people would never want to have given up. Mm -hmm. And yet that wasn't necessarily all that I wanted in life. I was in the telecom industry. I didn't want to advance farther and have to travel. So I, at one point, just left everything behind. And people don't do that, but I did. But I had also prepared myself for it by getting out of debt. Mm -hmm. But let me, so I, I start at that point by saying not everybody's going to take the same risk as other people take. But 
Here's what I would say to anyone. Number one, nobody else is going to take the steps for you. You have to take them yourself. And so there's no one to give you permission, let's say, to follow your dream or to go after those things that really are calling you from within, except for you. Yeah. So I would say, number one, give yourself permission. The second thing is... Um, is take the steps that are comfortable for you. And the odd thing is, you it may only be like, all right, I'm going to go to my first meetup where there are people doing some of these things that I want to do. You're familiar yeah. with meetups, right? Yes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Now that for some people who are really shy or who have themselves mentally in a silo that has nothing to do with what they're interested in, mm -hmm. may be like moving a mountain to get there. Mm -hmm. But just think, if you would, about the smallest steps you can take. Sometimes it means doing a little research online. Sometimes it means taking a course um, or going somewhere to learn something or getting together with someone that maybe could give you some information. Mm -hmm. But here's the other thing that, for whatever reason, is hitting me. Back in my corporate days, there was um, uh, an administrator who worked for me who was so bright, so capable. I love this lady. But her whole life wasn't revolving around being a great administrator. She she was an entrepreneur and mm -hmm. she came into my office one day and she said, Laura, tell me what you think about these things that she was of Italian, uh, Italian descent like I was. And she said to me, I took pasta and I'm turning them into earrings and she was painting them all these different colors. Like, you know what ZD looks like? Um, yeah. This is the ones I remember. And then maybe she had some that were shells. And she said, I'm calling them impostables. And I'm going to put them on the market in some boutiques. And I said to her, Connie, I love that. And you know, it's interesting because that was a while ago. Mm -hmm. And see what she did? She was working during the day, but she was creative and she was a businesswoman. And she had other skills and other parts of her personality that weren't being fully effectuated, let's say, during the, you know, the eight to five day. Mm -hmm. So she found ways to do it. And whoever heard of turning pasta into um, earrings Eerie. and pastables, and they were, really, they were really good looking. So mm -hmm. I would say to anyone, give yourself permission take your small baby steps. You don't have to go jumping off a cliff somewhere. Mm -hmm. Let one step lead you to another. And especially if it's something that requires big leaps of faith in terms of who you think you are, just own the place you're in, own the new space you've taken. Let's say it's one step along a ladder, own it, get comfortable in it. And then you know what your next step is? Take another step. And eventually what happens, your mind changes, your skills develop, your confidence emerges, you start practicing, you see yourself differently, you're working with different people, and after a while, people start to see you as that person you wanted to be. Just like with me, I was writing about traveling and being happy, and now at this point, you know, I, I think I've spoken several dozen times in about eight or nine countries. Wow. And I started by doing little two minute long videos that were yeah. free on YouTube. So uh, just take your steps. Yes, awesome. I hope you're enjoying this podcast episode. We'll be right back after this short message from one of our sponsors. Comfotherm Thermal Wraps are designed to help relieve the pain and swelling in and around the jaw, especially after wisdom teeth extractions. For more information, visit Comfatherm.com. That's Comfatherm.com. 
Hey there, Annie Rivera here. Thanks for tuning in to Annie Talks. Be sure to tell your friends about subscribing to the podcast and don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Doing so helps out with the algorithm and helps others to find this podcast too. I also invite you to like my Annie Talks Facebook page. There you'll find other news, information, upcoming events, and all sorts of things. Stay in the know with Annie Talks. I also invite you to join the Annie Talks Community Facebook group where we carry the conversation from the podcast episode to the Facebook group. Ask questions about the episode, about a guest, about the locations, you name it. Ask away. This forum is for you. See you on the Annie Talks Community Facebook group. I love what you said about giving yourself permission because sometimes when, you know, you, you, you kind of go, you, you hole up into this ball, you know, proverbial ball basically. And then you just, you shut out everybody. That's, that's what I know I've done. And so when you say to give yourself permission to really just give yourself um, the go ahead to step out, um, step out in faith or step out in, in, in the direction you want to go. I love that. I truly love that because it's one, it's not just one thing to imagine it. I'm like you, Maura, I'm a dreamer too, but it's not just one thing to imagine it, but it's actually taking that first step in the direction you want to go. I love that. And you know, the amazing thing, that first step may feel like it's huge, mm-hmm. but step after step after step, oh, this is a perfect segue. It goes into the very beginning because I think you talked about the journey. What yeah. you're doing with step after step is you are pioneering a new pathway to where you want to go, who you want to become, what you want to grow into. And let's say when you can't see anything in front of you, you're going out with a machete and you're literally like <laughs> creating a path that didn't exist. So there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times if we've told ourselves or we've been brought up a certain way to believe we could only be this one type person. It requires a lot on our part to do that. But the journey, it's its funny. It's not just the getting to the end of it. It's the process that helps us get there because we really do transform and grow into our bigger selves yes. along, that, along the way. I love that. That's, oh goodness, all these wonderful nuggets that we come up with or that we're, we're, we're talking about. And I know that people, our listeners um, are, are, you know, I, I've had listeners talk about, you know, their struggles about taking that first step. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that this is encouragement for all of them. So thank you so much for, for breaking that down for all of us. Now, if come, let's talk a little bit about the journey actually. So what obstacles or what comes to mind when we talk about obstacle? What one obstacle um, that you faced um, in the past in, in, your, in your journey, what was that and how were you able to overcome it? You know, I'm going to give this to you, not based on my entrepreneurial background, but my corporate background. Okay. I, years ago, I was in sales. And, you know, I'm very hard worker. I'm very diligent. I might not be excellent at everything, but I, I'll give it my best go wherever I am. Mm-hmm. And my manager moved me into management. He was leaving for Chicago and he was leaving me in charge. And I remember saying to him, Mike, I'm not ready for this job. He said, Maura, you're ready for it. So and he said, if you don't take it, I'm firing you. Oh, no. So anyway, here I was all of a sudden among 
um, a group of other people, many of whom felt they were better, better suited to the job than I. So I was really outside my comfort zone. On top of that, I wasn't necessarily the most technically inclined person. I'm great in terms of communication and developing other people. So this was a real obstacle for me. Mm-hmm. We, I, I had grown again in my position and I was supposed to be um, managing a whole new group of people that were in a higher technical environment. I remember thinking I was so out of my league. There was someone, I said, you know what, would you mind helping me and training me on this new product? Get me familiar with it because I haven't been to the training. So obviously, Mm -hmm. so I could manage people. And that for me, Annie was such a big It was both obstacle because I felt very daunted as if I was moved into a place that I wasn't yet ready for. But the fact that I was lacking caused me to reach out for help. Now think about this. I'm the manager, but I'm reaching out to salespeople to help me who could train me. Now, a lot of people have an ego that won't allow them to do that. I knew I couldn't, I couldn't be a fake. I couldn't pretend I knew something that I didn't. And fortunately, I found that by learning through my staff members, people that were more technically inclined than me, or people that had different skills than I had, I grew as a manager. They appreciated the fact that they were asked. Mm-hmm. And then I would bring them in to be um, helpers and let's say product leaders or experts in their own areas during sales meetings and people in the group all collectively learned from one another. It created an unbelievably wonderful um, harmonious environment where everyone felt special in their own right. Everyone developed their own abilities. Everyone respected one another for their, their talents. Mm-hmm. And we ended up with such a unique way of having our offices. And because I did at one point manage a couple of different offices, we were very successful at it. People didn't stab each other behind the back. They understood what it was like to help each other. and to work together and in tandem. So I'm going to say that was my biggest challenge was how do I step up to the plate when I feel like I'm not ready? How Mm. do I swallow my pride? How do I learn what I need to learn? And then how did I create something better from it? Here's the amazing thing. What I do today is not only am I ambassador of happiness and it's funny, I've been interviewed (laughs) countless times on even, um, Uh, TV overseas as the ambassador of happiness, but I speak a lot on leadership. And what does it take to be a leader and to develop the right culture for people to be their best and work together? And I take a lot of what I learned myself during that era, and I apply it today to my talks. And it's not like I'm just giving people theory. It's like I lived through it for a decade. And so it's real stuff. So for anyone who's going through a challenging time, it could have the seeds of greatness within it. Oh, I love Just that. have to take the step. That's right. <laughs> Swallow oh, the pride. <laughs> oh, that's it. Swallow the pride. Yep, absolutely. Now, thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, can you talk about something maybe um, a memorable or um, that stands out in your journey that, um, that made you smile, that made you feel, you know, I, I, it kind of gave you affirmation as to, you know, the direction you're going. Can, can you talk you about know, I would love to. And this is one that comes to mind right now. Um, I imagine being like 50 years old. And I think it was a friend who said to me one day, Maura, mm-hmm. you need to say what it is you want to do and say what it is you want to be. 
because you're too quiet. And I remember saying, I'd like to be a very influential person on a worldwide level. <laughs> it sounded oh, ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> I thought this lady probably thinks I'm a kook. Well, anyway, fast forward. Um, I had several events, but I want to just focus in on one. I was invited to the country of Kosovo. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kosovo has, you might have heard of it, has gone through war and a lot of yeah. devastation. They invited me in to be a speaker at the inaugural address of um, their new uni university. It was in Farazai, Kosovo. Wow. And it was at the University of Applied Sciences, beautiful building. And when I arrived, uh, we went up to the rector's office, would be, which would be the equivalent of the president. And we're in there sitting down, having you know coffee or whatever. And there's several... Um, people from the university there. And I'm, as I'm speaking, there are camera crews around taking my picture as I'm talking in the rector's office. And then there's video cameras going. And I thought, oh, this is a little awkward for me, but you know, I never make a big deal out of anything. Anyway, they lead me down to the main forum where I am going to be greeted or addressing their entire student body. Mm -hmm. I walk into the room and the room was set up um, Maybe like an amphitheater, but sort of like that, where you know where all the seats go up. Sure. I stepped mm -hmm. into the room, and all of a sudden, hundreds of students got to their feet to greet me by standing. Aww. Now, meanwhile, I'm telling you, they've got their they've got the newsroom people there, mm -hmm. and you know what? That moment for me, I felt like I was a dignitary who was being so honored by these young people because they were seeing someone from the United States. They don't very often get people in from other countries. Mm -hmm. They were showing me honor. And you know what I remember feeling like? I wanted to bow back to them. And I thought, how do you explain to someone that when you were a child, you might have had some dreams of connecting with people on the other side of the world you never knew, but you had them in your heart. And here you are invited by young people at a university that are just getting their start on what they're going to be as adults in a nation that's looking for purpose and identity and strong foundations. And it was the most amazing moment for me. It might, it might have been one of several, but there was something in that. Mm -hmm. The whole thing that took place, I was very humbled by it. Oh, Yeah. I'm sure. Oh my goodness. How nice though. It was, and I couldn't even explain all that it yeah. meant to me, but I wanted to bow to them. And I think I did <laughs> to acknowledge their thankfulness for having me there. Right. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful story. And this is where again, this was in Farazai, Kosovo. Oh, how nice. How, oh, I'm, how nice that you have this um, this lifestyle to be able to do that. I know that this was, you know, from the get go, you had to kind of set those, set those, um, those steps to get there. So I love that journey. And I love how, thank you for sharing that. I love the journey and, and, and where it's taking you. And, you know, we can only aspire to be so successful like yourself. And you're definitely, I think, an inspiration to many of us. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. You know, I wonder if I could add, add, could add two little things sure. to this too, mm -hmm. is that, you know, you're saying how wonderful you're going to Kosovo. I've been to places maybe other people wouldn't want to go. You know, it's not always easy to get there. It's not like I'm to Paris, France, or, you know, places that are normal on the map that people would think of traveling to. But for me, that's part of the adventure. And I think it's important for everyone when they're designing maybe things that they're interested in. It doesn't have to be what somebody else likes, but it could be what's important to them. Sure. And that's a big thing that I, th I think is, is good to mention. And the second thing too, Annie, is that 
um, in order for me and even my husband to do the things we do today, we had to make some changes in our life. I mentioned that we uh, had a home, maybe I did, in the suburbs, mm -hmm. and it was a lot of home to manage and maintain and clean because I had two gigantic dogs at the time. <laughs> so what we decided to do is if we were going to change our lifestyle and really set out to do things that were important to our souls and to yeah, to our inner soul right. and our purpose as we were, as we were, you know, going to be empty nesters, we needed to create an environment around us that was conducive to that. So what it meant for us, and I hope anybody who's contemplating today's conversation will think about this. We, we sold the home and we moved into something smaller. What we did was basically get rid of a lot of those things that maybe would have made moving forward in the way we wanted to difficult. Okay. So it meant living a simpler life, uh, a less expensive life, scaling down and scaling back. But then there's other people that think, oh, you too, you travel all over the place. What they don't realize for us, it's easier because we don't have a lot of the very high-end overhead Right. things that other people were paying for just because they're very grounded and wedded to where they live. That makes sense. So that's all yeah. part of the process for anyone thinking about going into entrepreneurship. Well, I love that. I love the story. I just love all the backstory. So I, again, thank you so much for sharing that. And what I wanted to touch on also uh, to add to that is that your your life is purposeful. You, you're impactful um, in some, you know, would start out maybe a small scale, but now even on a grander scale and you're influential. So, you know, th I think that's to me very inspiring and to, to others out there because we can garner some um, information, some, some p encouragement from just from what you've, what, what you've gone through. So, um, and then like you said, you kind of, kind of, you kind of have to shed those excessive things or, or things that might, um, when you scale down to being uh, to living a simple life, that's that's the kind of thing that I think most people will value because you know you, you don't have to um, you you just take what you have and and you make the best of it and for for me um, I do what I can here my little small humble home and it's a small little tiny room <laughs> in um, but I, I do what I can so this is a, a, a reminder for me that you you just you you just have to take what you have and and work with it and and know that you have a purpose sometimes it may not always seem to people listening this is for uh, more therapeutic for me and for everybody else, but for people listening, you know, just know your life is purposeful and you may not know it now, uh, but if you take that leap of faith, and this is what we were talking earlier, take it, taking that first step to where you want to be and to create happiness for yourself, you will eventually be a light and create happiness for others around you. So thank you. Oh, I think that was very well said, Annie. And you know what? One of the great things about podcasts, and I know you love stories, and mm -hmm. I've, I've always been that way. We didn't have podcasts when I was growing up, as you know. And um, so listening in on conversations, this is almost like, the same as being around having coffee at home with your elders or with other people. Maybe they come over to the house and you'll think, oh, so-and-so is here and they're so interesting. I want to listen into what they're saying. Because as we listen to other people's stories, mm -hmm. we end up inserting maybe some of the details of our own life stories and we make connections and it's in the making of those connections that we get an internal vision and a little bit of hope and the faith 
to move forward. We always learn from each other. And I think that that's one of the nicest things about podcasting and being able to have the time to share the stories and have those stories go anywhere and everywhere and really touch people so that they could find their own purpose and move forward in that. Absolutely. I mean, look at this. You're in Florida and I'm in California. Who knew that we would be able to connect in this, in this, type in this scale. I love this. I, I love do this. too. And oh, I, when I could that. go back to childhood thinking, I just wanted to go out and play with my friends. So this is like a new way of playing with friends, <laughs> right? Exactly. Or meeting friends. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for all that. Now, what is one thing um, about, about you that people don't already know that you maybe you'd like to share? Hmm. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier because you sent me that question mm-hmm. and this is the answer that I got. I want to say my soul was answering it. I was never the popular girl in school. I never really fit in. Um, I was always a different thinker. And I think when people see me and they hear me, they meet me, they think, oh, she always had it so easily. And it re- or that she was always so at ease. And the fact of the matter was, Annie, I was not. When I graduated high school, I was voted of all things most dignified. Now, let me ask you, what kid graduating from high school wants to be voted in as most dignified. They didn't even have that as the title. Any other year, I think they made it up on purpose for me because it was ridiculous, but I fit it. And so I was that person as a young person. And I think I had a lot of thoughts inside my head that had to wait for their right time for stepping out. Mm. And I hope that that's meaningful to someone else because I'll even give you another thing. I remember driving as a young person, and they still have it today in the cars, um, but you could press, let's say, six different buttons to get the main stations that are on your, you know, on your okay. FM dial. And I remember thinking maybe when I was 17 or 18, I'm listening to all these stations in the New York area that are supposed to be for me, mm-hmm. and none of them fit me because I can't fit into somebody else's idea of what's in. So I was one of those different people. And here it is years later that a lot of the thoughts that I had, a lot of the belief systems, a lot of the things I had to work through in life, I'm now utilizing and sharing, hopefully to encourage and empower and inspire other people to be their best version of self. And I'll tell you, there's nothing else like it. It's Mm -hmm. freeing. It does make you happy and it gives you a lot of peace and a sense of purpose. Well, you're. Oh, it sounds like you've always been kind of uh, the the think out of the box um, type of person. Again, being that visionary, right? So you, the dreamer and the visionary, and where you know you wanted to go, and you wanted something bigger and better. Um, I, I I like that because it doesn't keep you confined into society's way of thinking, right? So you always right. want to be the one to um, uh, to to be kind of on the forefront of. I, of, of forward thinking, um, if that sounds. If I that guess makes so. Sense. You know, interesting yeah. when you're saying to be on the forefront. Believe it or not, Annie, I can remember in college, during my you know my career days, even beyond that, I would hold back certain thoughts I had because I, I intuitively knew that people were not ready to hear them. It's very interesting if you throw uh, back the clock, yeah. clock by ten years. 
the way people think today is different from 10 years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I'm almost going to say that I'm waiting. I don't know what these things are that I'm going to share eventually mm -hmm. in life, Annie. But <laughs> I sense that even as we move forward in time, that there are other thoughts I've had that will come out of my mouth, but they'll arrive at the right time when people want to hear them. So it wasn't as if I was this renegade personality. I was just waiting and biding out my time till it was the right time for me to make my moves and do what I wanted. But yes, I was always the visionary and get brought up inside the box. So. Yeah, but no, I, I, I get that. I really do. I mean, because, you know, we have the naysayers in our lives that always tell us, oh, no, you shouldn't. And, and no, this is the way that, you know, this is the way that, that this is where the, the society has you believing in and um, living. And, but but I, I'm like that. I mean, you and I are pretty uh, similar in that we, we want to do, we're kind of uh, early adopters, so to, so to speak. That's the word for it. Right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I or love creative that. adopters. You know, the early adopters and the ones that create the new things that people are going to adopt themselves into or adapt themselves that. into. Oh my goodness. Good. Look at this. I tell you, this is all therapeutic for me. Sometimes <laughs> it's just like sitting here and I just want to, I, I need a sounding board and I want, I want to hear what other people um, go through. And I think that you, you, you've really just touched on many of those, uh, many of those um, topics and aspects of things of, of life that I think um, for myself and for other people that need to hear. So um, again, I, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing that with us. So um, I, we're almost winding down to the, to the end of this uh, conversation, but I wanted to touch on one thing is one question that I always ask because um, I just love, I love the, um, the variety of, of answers. So what if you could do anything differently would you tell your 21 year old 21 year old self about what you know now or what you think is coming in the future okay and again i'm going to thank you for sending me some of these questions earlier because i never know what i'm going to say but this is the answer that came to me Are you ready because a lot of things i did i did very ploddingly very carefully but this is the answer i got mm -hmm. question often question better question sooner. You know, for me, that I believe in living happy from the inside out, and I was very much aware of the fact that there were institutions and experts and authorities and everybody, media, all these people that knew better. And I always felt like a child. But when I look back on my life, things that I wanted to question, and I did question several things growing up, and I mean from a curiosity standpoint, when right. things didn't make sense, I would question mm -hmm. often, question better, and question sooner. So that's my answer. And I think that's how we learn. And right. what we're really doing is we're challenging our own belief systems. We're challenging the belief systems that are out there. Mm -hmm. And when we do that and that they can't stand to the challenge, then we know there's a little more we need to learn and a little more light comes in. So oh, that would so be nice. my thing. I would have maybe moved along a little sooner in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but I, I love that though, what, what you said about question. I mean, basically you just ask, right? Ask questions. Right. A curiosity question. Not right. so much I'm questioning you because I don't like you or because I don't sure. respect you. But I could remember even as a very young child, I had questions about religion. 
Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense. Right. And I might ask a few times, but I think to, to do it more frequently and to do it maybe more deliberately when I'm really looking for answers. Right. And so I would have, I, that would be advice I would give to my 21 year old self. <laughs> you know, I, I like that you said that because um, I want to touch back on something in grad school. When I was going through grad school, for instance, um, we had a professor that, you know, basically gave the instructions. We had to write like crazy all these notes and make sure we understood what she wanted. And that was her assignment, you know, for us. This, she never wrote on the board. She never wrote. She just told it. And we had to write all the notes. So at the end of the end of the class, she would always go around the room. There was about 12 of us in this grad class, in this grad school um, class. And she would, um, she made it to, she made it so each of us would have a question and we were never allowed to ask the same question. So we had to go around the room. We had to think on our feet with, or think on our feet, think on our, you know, think, think quickly about a question that would somehow um, someone, something, something that someone didn't already ask, but, but, um, could benefit the class. And which I thought was like, oh my gosh, at first we were all struggling, but then yes. it, it came, it came almost instinctively where oh. we go around the room and, and now every single time we were so much, that much more informed. So wow. I really appreciate what you just said is just, you know, ask, ask questions, you know, get the information that you need. So, Ooh, I really love that. And you just solidified that. Thank you. (laughs) And so did you, but that's how we grow. We learn how to be critical thinkers and that's how we get out of the box, the box of society and become our greater self or our bigger self or a more confident self, more informed, however you want to look at it. That's beautiful. Now, I know we talked a lot about, you know, um, words of encouragement and, and um, some inspirational thoughts, but for our, for our listeners, what parting words can you share? What parting words of wisdom can you share with them? I would say this, there has never been another you and there will never be another you. So step out and become the best you you ever wanted to be. And that may mean in skills, it may mean in relationships, it may be in health, it may be in ideas, but be your best self. You don't need to compete with anyone else. It'll never make you happy. Just be your best version of you and the world is waiting to see you. (laughs) I love that. And so are you. I mean, really think of everybody's waiting to see their best self, right? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Now, where can we follow you, Maura? Tell us about, uh, I'll have all the information in the show notes below, but um, for those listening and and driving in their cars or walking their dogs Mm. and they need to hear how to follow you. Where can we follow you? Okay. My main website is my name, Maura, M as in Mary, A-U-R-A, followed by the number four and the letter U, Maura4U.com, because I'm always for you. Um, And so I've got blogs and books listed there. But for your audience, because they're a listening audience, find me and my podcast, it's Maura Sweeney, Living Happy Inside Out. And they're all really short, maybe 10 minute long podcasts. And they help people think about their authentic and happy and more peaceful self from the inside out one podcast at a time. Awesome. Thank you. So and I'm on Twitter more for you too. So. Oh, very nice. Maura, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you've really lit a fire under me and I'm hoping for those listening um, the same because you're certainly inspirational. You certainly, um, you know, you're just a forward thinker and, and we need to be more like that. So we need to step out of our comfort zone and be more forward thinking and really just go after what makes us happy. 
I love that. Well, Annie, thank you. I've so enjoyed chatting with you. This has been wonderful. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, that's it, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Annie Talks and learning from Maura Sweeney. I truly love what Maura said about giving yourself permission and taking steps that are comfortable for you in pursuit of and living a happy life. Don't be afraid to ask questions or, as she says, question often, question better, and question sooner. The key word is question. Ask questions. Learn early. Yes, we all make mistakes, but learn from them. My takeaway from my conversation with Maura is, there has never been another you. There will never be another you. Step out and become the best you you have always wanted to be. Maura's words exactly. And I truly love this so much. Don't forget to follow Maura on social media and I will have all her information and social media links down below in the show notes. So be sure to check them out. Click around, comment, like, and follow. Now, before we sign off, if you aren't already subscribed to my podcast, I invite you to hit subscribe and be notified anytime we upload a new episode. If you are already subscribed, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. If you could please rate and review my podcast, please leave a comment or two. It would really help me out. It would also help others to find this podcast. And lastly, you can follow me on all my social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat. I will also have the links to my social media down below in the show notes. Thank you all again so much for tuning in and keep listening to Annie Talks. Hi, this is Maura Sweeney, host of the Maura Sweeney Living Happy Inside Out podcast and the trademarked ambassador of happiness. And you are listening to Annie Talks.